Well, again, just want to welcome you, uh, especially if this is your first time at the campus. Thanks for coming in and stopping in this weekend and being here. Appreciate that. And I know it sometimes can be a little bit disorienting and a little overwhelming to pop into a church for the first time. So appreciate uh, your willingness to kind of take that risk with us. My name's Ryan. I'm the campus pastor here at our Ellick campus and uh, excited to kind of have another conversation with you. We've been in a series called Clean Slate over the last uh, bunch of weeks now. That's why we've got the big uh, chalkboard here that we dug out of somebody's basement, and uh, it works great. So kind of the premise of this whole series is this. As we kicked off a new year, uh, we said all of us, I think at some level or another, are kind of go into a new year, and we want a fresh start, right? We want kind of a clean slate. Can we just have a do-over? Uh, can we make some changes into our lives and, uh, and maybe kind of erase some things that have been written on the board in the past, and can we write down uh, some new stuff, maybe some unique things that God has said about us, and can we begin to live off of the words that he has spoken, uh, rather than maybe the words that other people have spoken to us, or maybe words that we have created on our own, or maybe words that our culture has communicated to us. Uh, some of those things aren't necessarily bad, uh, but, but when it's compared next to God's word, uh, they lack the power uh, that, that really can move us forward in our lives. And so what we've done so far is we've had some really big conversations. We said almost we kind of want to go back and look at the basics again and ask some really big, important questions. Uh, questions like, who is God and how does he view me? Oh, how do I view him? And am I seeing God the way that he really is or is my filter kind of broken on on my vision of who God is and how he functions. We ask kind of, how does my identity work? What defines me as a person? And who am I? Not just what do I do, but, but who am I? What's my actual identity? And we talked about what that looks like from God's word, that if I'm a follower of Jesus, there's a whole bunch of things that are true of me that show up in God's word that are actually mind-blowing when we begin to unpack them. Uh, we also asked, is there, a, is there a place that I belong? Is there a family that I can be included into that actually goes beyond just my nuclear family or my friend group or the people that I naturally connect to? And we took a look and took some time to look at the reality that if I say yes to Jesus and I'm a part of his family, uh, that I'm, I'm included into a group of people that makes up the global family of God that has existed throughout kind of all of uh, history, that there's been a people of faith, and I'm a part of that if I say yes to Christ. That's my family in many, many ways. And then uh, last week, we opened up a big conversation about purpose, and we said, man, wh why am I here? Why am I on the planet? Like, why do I exist? Is it just to kind of function through life, or is there a deeper reason, a deeper answer to why I might be here today? And we dove into that and looked at that conversation in depth. And if you missed any of those, you can listen online if you like to uh, and kind of catch up on our app. And, uh, of course, that's free to just grab that and, and kind of maybe as you're making a drive, listen to that conversation. I encourage you to do that. What we want to do today is we want to have another conversation and answer kind of another question. And it's really connected to the conversation that we had last week about purpose. Uh, this one is going to be about our mission our mission, and, and kind of asking, uh, what am I doing? Right? If purpose answers the question, why am I here? Mission answers the question, what am I doing? 
Like, what am I supposed to be doing with myself? And what mission am I on? And what am I actually trying to accomplish with my life, my energy, my time? Uh, Last week, we looked at purpose, and we said that really uh, my time and my energy and my focus and uh, kind of the, the affections of my heart are to go all after loving God and loving people and knowing Christ, right? That, that to e- live eternal life, a different quality of life, is my actual purpose. It's why I was created. I was created by God to know God and to love him and to also love other people, love the people that he created. So we want to build off that foundation and kind of advance the conversation one step further and really look at, if I do that, then what do I end up accomplishing? What mission does that put me on? And one of the things that I've found, at least in my life, is that a mission is really hard to stay focused on. Whenever I'm aiming at something, it's super easy for me to get off on a tangent, off on a side mission, and I start working on something that's not really the main thing, and I lose track of what the main thing actually is. I don't know if you've ever uh, experienced that or not. The hardest part of kind of chasing something down is keeping the main thing the main thing. And uh, when, when I think about this, I, uh, I think back to, um, back in my story, I, I developed a passion uh, for burning wood. You're like, Ryan, that's a weird thing. I know, man, I'm a weird guy. Some people say I have issues, right? <laughs> but but when, uh, when I was in high school, we had this huge oak tree fall in my yard. My stepdad said, hey, I got an idea. We have so much wood. Why don't we get a wood-burning stove? Uh, we'll cut this tree up. Uh, we'll split all this wood. It's going to be amazing. And uh, you're going to split it, right? And it's kind of what I did. That was like my high school thing. And so I started splitting a ton of wood when I was in high school. And I mean, I started, I just fell in love with the whole thing, uh, right? Kind of working with the wood and splitting it. And then I got to burn it. I'm like, this is awesome. One day when I grow up, I'm totally going to get a wood burner in my house. And that's exactly what I did, right? So the first house that I had that we could have a wood burner, we put one in. And uh, the, the point of cutting wood and right, sawing it up and splitting it up and stacking it up is so that you can burn it. Like that's the whole, that's the mission. That's the whole thing. But along the way, I, I got really uh, enthralled with exactly how the wood was stacked and the exactness of it. And it began to need to be perfect and no one else could touch it. Issues, right? <laughs> Issues. And one time, I've got four kids, and uh, one time I came home, and I drove up into the driveway, and uh, my, my four kids, three of them are girls, and um, they all had sidewalk chalk, and, and they were coloring on the edges of my logs on my wood pile. And I, I, wa- I drove in, and they were like, look, Dad, we made your wood pile pretty. And I was like, what have you done? right? Like, how did this happen? And, and honestly, I, it threw me a little bit, and it, it would throw me a little bit when somebody else stacked my wood, or somebody colored on my wood, or some, anybody messed with my wood. This is not good, right? But at the end of the day, whether there was uh, sidewalk chalk on that wood, or if it was a little crooked, man, it all burned the same. It's fascinating how that works. It, when you actually keep your head on the, the main thing, the point isn't how pretty that wood pile is or whether it's decorated or it's prettied up by my kids. I'm burning wood, man. That's how it goes. Well, the same exact thing is really true, I think, in life. 
that, that, that there's a main mission that we're called to. We're going to talk about that here in a minute. But along the way, I'm this way too, all of us tend to get a little sidetracked with the side missions, uh, the other projects and the other pieces, and our hearts begin to be attached to those, those side projects, rather than the actual mission that we're on the planet to do and to accomplish. Right? And you say, Ryan, what, what are some of those side missions that we might run into? We'll write some of them on the board here. Uh, sometimes uh, one of the side missions that we might run into is uh, we might think that the point of what we're doing here on the planet is that we're trying to accumulate, accumulate, I think I spelled that right, I'm not sure, right? accumulate, where we're trying, to, we're trying to get a bunch of stuff. If I have enough stuff, if I have enough money, if I have enough power, if I have enough followers, if I have enough likes, if I have enough of my family members all around me all the time, if I can accumulate for myself, that's the mission of life. Whoever, right, kind of whoever dies with the most toys wins, that mentality. Well, most of us would never say that. It's really easy to go down that road because I feel safe, I feel secure, I feel like I can function probably if, I, if I'm accumulating and gathering resources and I want to kind of hoard time and money and people and there's a real temptation, I think, in our culture today to say, man, you, you just need to accumulate. You, you need to hustle and you need to kill it. You need to crush it. You need to gather things for yourself. And that's the mission of life that we're really called to. Right? That, that's why we're on the planet. It's what we're doing here is accumulating stuff. And that's the game. And if you play that game and you win at that game, then you're on the right road. And I don't know uh, how many of us would actually admit that or feel tempted by that, but I think all of us have at one point or another. Uh, we tend to look at people that have accumulated and we look at their lives and we have a really hard time not thinking, and it seems like that would be a better life than what I have. People who have accumulated seemed to certainly have a, a better shot at enjoying life than what I'm enjoying They've accumulated, maybe I should too, and our culture is kind of inundating us with that message. Get more, have more, 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 accumulate. It's one of the messages that we might believe. It's one of the missions that we might be on. Right, here's another one that's actually a little bit uh, tricky at first glance. Another mission that we might be on is this. I, I just want to be a good person. I just want to be a good person. I want to be a good, I'm going to leave this blank. I want to be a good mom. You know what? I just, I just want to be a good dad. I want to be a good friend. I, I just want to be somebody that does the right stuff sometimes and, and is respectable. I'm a good person. And I think that's what God wants of me, just to be good. And man, that, what's tricky about that is there's a part of that that's true, but it's extremely incomplete. It's extremely incomplete. We're going to see why in a minute. I just want to be a good person. I want to be a good blank. I want to just do a good job and keep my head down and kind of check the boxes of life, and, and that's it. Right? Can I just be a, be a good blank? And, and sometimes there's a mission to do that because, like all of us, we, we have a guilt in us because all of us are imperfect. We all know that. Um, I, I have lied. I have cheated. I've been prideful. I've been lustful. 
I'm not going to make you raise your hands, but if I asked you, you would say, yeah, I do too. I have done those things as well. We're all sinful people. We're all broken, imperfect people. And because we have that conscience, there, there's a tendency in us to feel the need to make up for that guilt, uh, not by running to Jesus. We'll talk about how that would work. But instead, by trying to do some good stuff. If I'm a good enough person, man, maybe it will make up for the kind of person that I was uh, back then or for that lie that I told, or for the fact that I'm hiding this secret that nobody knows about. If I can just like work my conscience out, maybe it'll all even out a little bit. I just want to be a good person. There, there's another word that comes to mind when I think about the mission that we're on, and that's sometimes it just turns into the mission to survive. Man, I just want to like stay on my feet. If I can just get through this day, I, I just want to stay alive. And some of the zeal and the zest of going after something in life goes away. And, and really, the, the goal just becomes kind of survival. It's painful. We might not say it out loud, but it's kind of true. That this, is, this is the person who's like kind of quit on life, and you just let it go, Right? And survival is what I'm doing, and I don't quite have, I can't find the energy or the oomph to do anything except grind out the days. Don't make me ask deep questions. Don't make me think about difficult things. I just want to survive this life. These are all answers that we might get in our culture. They're, they're answers that we might come up with on our own. And I, boy, personally, none of them in my mind are sufficient. And none of them are worth living for. What would be the mission that Jesus would call us to? And I, I want us to look at a passage that if you've grown up in the church or if you've been around, uh, may be familiar to you. But I want you to feel, and I want, personally, as I was studying this this week, I felt the gravity of this all over in a fresh and a renewed way. The, the mission that Jesus has called us to is absolutely radical. And it makes an enormous amount of sense when you start to think about it. See, if I'm a follower of Jesus and my purpose, why I exist, why I'm on the planet today, is to know Jesus and to love Jesus and to spend my energy getting to know the God that created me. That's why I'm here. To love people and to love God and to know Christ then it would only make sense that the mission that he would call me to would have kind of an extension of that purpose, but helping other people get connected to it. Let me show you this passage in Matthew 28. Familiar one, again, if you grew up kind of in the church, try to hear it and read it with fresh eyes. Here's what Jesus would say. He's the resurrected Christ uh, commissioning off his disciples. Here's what he would say to them. Then Jesus came to them and he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. He says, And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus has beaten death. He beat death. He's the guy that died and then got up again. I, I love it. One of our pastors one time on Easter said this. It was hilarious. Uh, it was spontaneous. He said, 
uh, usually when people die, they stay dead. And we were all like, that's true. <laughs> right? Usually when people die, they stay dead. Jesus didn't do that. He got up. Right? He beat death. And he beat sin. And, right? He rose from the dead. And he's like, Philippians 2 would say, he, he has been given the name that's above all names. All authority has been given to him. And now he's going to use that authority to maximize blessing in the lives of the people that he's created. Hear that again. He's been given all authority, and he's going to use that authority to maximize blessing in the lives of the people that he's created. And here's what he says to do. He says, I, in essence, he's trying to redeem humanity. That's why he died on the cross for us. Because none of us can really be a good person. All of us are imperfect. We needed Jesus to come live perfectly and die innocently and rise victoriously, beating death on our behalf. Now, now that Jesus has done that, because I can't be a good person, what, what can happen now is Jesus says, I, I want everybody to know that message. That's the mission that I'm on. But I'm not going to execute that by myself. I'm going to give you, Christ follower, if you're a follower of Jesus today, the blessing of being included on that mission with me. Not only are you a recipient of the good news, not only do you receive the message that I died for your sins and I love you and I'm trying to save your soul, but you also get to be the one that tells somebody else about that. Man, that's amazing that we now have the privilege of making disciples, of helping people connect their way back to God. It's an incredible privilege, an incredible mission that we're on. What Jesus is going to say here is he's, I want you to make disciples. I want you to baptize them. I want you to identify people with me, with the Father, with the Holy Spirit. The heart of baptism is public identification, man. It's, uh, it's no holds barred. It's all out there. Right? It's Facebook official. It's, I, I'm public with my faith. There's no shame involved. Right? I, that's the heart of baptism. I'm all in. This is my identity. This is who I am. Help people to do that. And then teach them to live how I live. Teach them everything that I have commanded you and to be obedient to it. And let, let me give you a little bit of background on uh, this whole rabbi-disciple thing because this is the context that Jesus is is in, and it is the context that everybody would know about. There, there would be a rabbi, and there would be disciples, right? And the rabbi would be the teacher, and the disciples are the followers. And dis disciples would begin to gather around a, a rabbi, a teacher, and they would learn from that teacher. And we don't really have an exact parallel to this necessarily in our culture. But here's how disciples and rabbis would think. There was different levels of commitment for disciples. So a, a kind of a low-level disciple would think like this. A low-level disciple would come to a rabbi and would say, hey, rabbi, I want to know what you know. I want to know the information that's in your head. You, know, you study the Bible, and I, I want to know the Bible the way that you know the Bible. I'm going to come, and if I could just kind of extract the info and put it into my brain from your brain. That's the goal. That's what they're seeking. This would be like the reason we might go to college. We might 
gain information or listen to a podcast. I want to know someone's information. Lowest level of disciple. The next level of disciple goes up a notch. Not only do I want to know what you know, I also want to think how you think. I want to see the world the way that you see it. Not only do I want to have the data, I want to put that data together and see the world and value the things that you value. I want to kind of have your heart and your mind. And as I make decisions and have priorities, I want to have that foundation of knowledge and it create a worldview in me. I want, to, I want to see the world the way that you see it. It's the next level of disciple. And then the, the highest level of disciple, something that we kind of are, um, we are intolerant of in our culture, is the, the rabbi and the disciple with kind of a relationship like this where the disciple would say, I want to live how you live. I want to live how you live where a rabbi would almost say, kind of mimic me and follow me and live the way that I've lived. And this is what Jesus is saying to his disciples, saying, hey, I, I want you disciples. You've lived with me. You know me. Uh, you, you've heard my teaching. Help other people to obey the teachings that I've given to you. Help them to live the way that I've taught you to live. Jesus is calling his disciples to be included in that mission. Here's how I said it in your notes. I said this. I said, our our mission is to help people find their God-given purpose. That's our mission. Our mission, if I'm a follower of Jesus, this is the mission that Christ died to give me, is to help people find their God-given purpose. And what's our God-given purpose? To know Jesus, to love God, and to love people. I'm trying to help people do that. I can't help myself. If I love God and I love people, I can't help but help other people love and know God. That's the heart of it. That is our mission that Christ has called us to. And then he says something powerful at the end of the passage there in Matthew 28. I love that he included this. And I love that Matthew included it in here for us. Jesus says, right, all authority has been given to me. Go make disciples, baptize them, teach them. And then he includes something that I think is absolutely critical. He says, listen, I'm with you. Surely I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. He's not just saying, hey, I want you to go do something for me. Go execute this for me. Here's your marching orders. See you later. Jesus is saying, I'm going to be with you in this. I actually want to live life with you. And as you're making disciples, I, I want to be right there on that journey and on that mission alongside you. Right? Because our purpose is to know him. And as we live life with him, and as his mission is accomplished of redeeming the world, he includes us in on that. Because we all know this. If I actually begin to influence people, and help people to know Christ. If I start talking about Jesus, if I start sharing my faith, if I start living kind of openly about that, and some of you, right, you're in the room and you're like, I'm not even sure what I think about my faith yet. I've seen some weird Christians, and you have. Sometimes Christians are weird, right? We know. Am I going to be one of those people that is ostracized by others? It's scary. I'm going to be rejected. 
Jesus is like, listen, I'm with you in that. In the fear, in the apprehension, uh, in some of the worry or anxiety that you might feel about, if I begin to open up about who you are, Christ, what's that going to do to me? Listen, I'm with you. I'm going to give you wisdom, and I'm going to lead you. You don't have to do it alone. You're going to be part of a church. Right? You're going to be with other Christ followers. This is the mission that I've called you to. Here's what, one of the things I said in your notes. I said, our mission isn't just to make disciples or to do something for Christ. It's to do something with Christ. I'm not just called to do something for Christ. I'm called to do something with him. And I think that's critically important. He, he wants to live life with you. Let's just say that again. Jesus wants to live life with you. And he wants to be with you. And the mission of making disciples it is not something that we have to go accomplish in our own strength, and our own power, and Jesus is over there somewhere. He's like, let's do this thing together. This is the mission that we're called to. I am called to make disciples. This is the core mission of what we're doing. I'm called to make disciples for Christ and I'm called to make disciples with Christ. This sums it up. This is what we're called to do. What about the money, man? Uh, What about an easy life? What about keeping everybody safe? Jesus said he's going to be with us. I don't know what that means, but he's there. You're you're saying this is the whole point. Yep, this is burning the wood. The the side projects that I get get captivated by, and I'm I'm as guilty as anybody. Man, because I see a new shiny thing or another thing to get focused on. The distractions, especially here and now and today, are exponentially more than they have been. A Christ follower here in our day and age that's going to interact with one of these has to be unbelievably purposeful to remember what am I actually doing here? What's this life actually about? And what am I called to? I'm called to make disciples for Christ and with Christ. That's my mission. That's what I'm all about. I love this. I, I just want to show you this example real quick. This is the Apostle Paul. We looked last week at his, uh, I think, his purpose statement. He said, I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to know him even in his sufferings, he would say. I think if he had a purpose statement, that would be it, that we, what we looked at in Philippians chapter 3. I think in Colossians chapter 1, in this verse, this is his mission statement. He says this, he is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I I strenuously contend with all the energy that Christ so powerfully works within me. This is what Paul said, right? A guy uh, rescued and interacted with Jesus and decided, I'll leave all the comfort, I'll leave all the things, and I'm going to chase down this mission of making disciples. 
See, here's the thing. Paul did this. You and I are called to do this. And sometimes we read a passage like this or we look at an example like Paul who went all in to do that. And we think, man, that's, isn't that like the clergy's job? Isn't that the pastor's job? Isn't there somebody else like out there that's, that's really equipped to do that? I don't know the Bible. I don't know, I don't know how to talk about my faith. Some of us are in the room, we're like, I don't even know uh, if I have a faith yet. How do I lock into a mission before I even know what I believe? It's all part of the process, right? It's why you're here. To, to receive a message and then to, once you receive that message, man, you, you can't help but want to give it to other people. Sometimes we look at sharing our faith and it feels overwhelming. I feel super scary. And it feels like something that someone else should do. Here's the thing. Even more than the how-to, there has to be a core level decision to say that this is the mission that I'm on. I want to help other people know Jesus. I want to do that with my, with my whole life. As I know God and I love people, I can't help but help other people to know and to love God. Because here's the reality. If I believe that God is real, if I actually believe that there's a God that we can't see right now, and that he created everything, and he spoke to us in his word, and if I believe there's a real heaven and a real hell, and that eternal life is an actual thing that I am experiencing now if I'm a follower of Jesus, if I believe in all that stuff that we talk about here, and if I actually love the people that are in and around my life, and I believe that each and every one of those individuals can, can have access to this God that I know and love and trust and experience, and one day will spend eternity with him if they know him, or will one day spend eternity without him if they don't know him. If both of those things are real, my genuine love for people and my genuine belief in God and all that he said, how could I do anything else with my life but try to help the, those two things connect? Right? If I had cancer today, and that cancer was terminal. And you had had cancer. And you had had the cure to cancer. And you experienced it. And it made you better. You were sick, and then you weren't sick. You had it, and, and, then, and then you weren't. And then you're getting better all the time because of the medicine that you're on. If you actually loved me, and you actually cared about me, you, you could not be stopped from telling me how to find the cure that I need because you had the cure that you needed. You couldn't help it. It would just flow out of you. People would have to shut you up about it. This is what happens with CrossFitters. Right? Right? I don't know. 
I've done CrossFit once, but people who do it are like, man, this thing changed my life. I got to tell everybody about it. My body changed. My health changed. For the follower of Jesus, what we are saying is, my heart changed. My mind changed. I am something new now, man. I can't shut up about it. And one of my favorite things to see, I love it. I love when somebody comes to know Jesus and, and, and they're talking about Jesus, man, and out flies uh, some word that we would never say in church. You know? When that happens, because somebody just, they don't even know yet. That's how I was. When I came to know Christ, I just didn't know any better that we don't really talk about that stuff in church. I'm like, we're going there, man, because I'm excited about it. Right? I'm going to tell you. When we're talking about making disciples and talking about being a part of the church and talking about having a mission, is where, where this all really lands is I have to, at a core foundational level, even before we answer the question, how am I going to do this? I've got to decide which mission am I on? Which mission am I going to choose? Am I going to be on the mission of accumulating and gathering resources for myself in a lifetime that one day is going to go away? Our time is going to fade. Our resources will be transferred to someone else. Am I going to fight to be a good person and try to cleanse my own conscience and in essence save myself? live my own righteousness and deny the fact that I'm a sinful person in need of a holy God to come to earth and die for my sins. Man, I'm just going to try to stay alive. And I'm just going to keep surviving. Come to church another day. Turn the crank. If you're still breathing air, hear me. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how deeply you failed. I don't care if you're sick or well. There is a mission and a purpose for your existence on this planet. God has called you and created you for something. And that something has something to do with this and how it might look in your life, I have no idea. I'd love to figure it out with you. Some of us are one step back and we're not sure yet if this is our mission because we're not sure if this is our faith. Before you can find the mission that God has given you, hear me, you've got to come to the crisis point of deciding, do I believe this message or not? Do I believe that Jesus actually came to the planet, actually lived a perfect life, actually died an innocent death, and actually beat death, and that he did that 100% out of obedience to God his Father and love and passion for you and me? If, listen, if you've never said yes to Christ before, the most loving thing I could do right now is to help you do that. Do you see it? To help you become a disciple. 
And I know it's scary. I know it feels like, like your heart is racing. You're not sure if you, how do I do this? What does it mean? It's simply a decision, friends. It's simply a decision to say, I'm in. I'm in. I don't care where it leads me. I don't care what it takes. I don't care what it costs me. Jesus, if you really died for me, if you gave your life for mine, I don't really care what you do with mine. I believe that you died for my sins. I accept and receive your forgiveness, and I trade my life for yours. Now, I'm going to hold your word as authoritative in my life because all authority has been given to you. If you've never made the decision to say yes to Christ, do that today. And when we sing and when we pray, I would encourage you to process that and to, to surrender your life to Jesus Christ in a real moment here just between you and him. Guys, and for the rest of us, the conversation around mission is in a very real, the same choice which mission am I going to erase? What's going to be the central aim? And we all know we're going to do it imperfectly, right? I'm going to get distracted and you're going to get distracted, but where am I actually aiming? And I just want us to see this. This is an actual decision to make. I have to decide. I'm going to make a conscious choice to erase this as my mission. I will no longer do this. This is not my aim anymore. I'm consciously choosing to make my life about this. This is where I land. Because the Jesus who I love has called me to it. And I believe him and I believe that the people that I love around me need to know the Jesus who I love and who's changing my life. Lord, I surrender. My ambitions my drive, my goals, they'll, they'll all be in light of knowing you and making you known. I'm in. I want to start with a clean slate. As, as the band comes out, I would encourage us when I pray for us and we sing, would you process that and wrestle that decision through? And I would encourage you to make it a crisis. Where am I going to land? All in, one side of the board or the other. Would you clean the slate? Would you adopt a new mission? Would you do that today? Would you pray with me? Father, we, we still ourselves here before you. because we recognize our lives are not our own. Or my life's not mine. I was bought at a price. And Jesus, I say thank you for that price today. Thank you for the privilege that I have to not only be rescued from sin and hell and death, Lord, I get to help other people to be rescued as well. God, what an honor. 
And Lord, I pray today that you would help each of us, whether we're wrestling with the decision to believe you for ourselves first, or we're, we're surrendering our ambition and our goals for the sake of a greater mission, a greater ambition, or one that's eternal. Lord, would you speak to our hearts this morning? I pray, Lord, that, that you wouldn't let us go. Would you wrestle us down and, and pin us and help us to say, we're done, Lord. I'm done fighting you. I'm done choosing my own way. I want what you want. Break my heart for what breaks yours. Meet us here, Lord.